I really want us to press in today. I feel like the Lord told me, I told Tracy this morning before I left the house, I felt like the Lord was saying to me, he's going to let me uh, go really deep, really fast. And so I have a very specific assignment this morning that I feel the Lord's asked me to bring. And I want to just ask you to, to just purpose to be awake to what he wants to say. You know, I'll give you some illustrations and, and we'll, I'll keep your interest. I, I know what it means to be a public speaker, but it's just not about that. It's really about us encountering a Savior this morning. So come on, just put your hand on your heart. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. Everything that we're doing, all the work that all of us are putting in in so many different directions, it really just has one focal point, and His name is Jesus, and Jesus is alive. And by the Spirit of God, we are having a conversation with you today. I pray, Lord, you would help each of us individually and all of us congregationally to hear with absolute certainty and clarity what you're desiring to say in the impartation, Lord, you desire to place within us in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So I want you to think about you're with a with your child, whether you have children or not, or whatever age they are. I want you to think about you have your child with you, and your child is very hungry. And you've gone through a line and you have paid for their food, and then you sit them down and you say, Now I've got to leave for a bit, but your food's been paid for, and I want you to uh, to go get that when it's ready. And then I'll I'll come back for you later. And if the child doesn't understand that the price has been paid, then when the food is prepared, the child sits there a distance from the food with it almost within reach, never really getting what that child really needs. And I want you to know this is largely what has happened in the body of Christ because Jesus paid the price for you to have what you need. And then we find ourselves sometimes sitting back and not necessarily knowing, and he's left now and is going to come back, by the way, and we we find ourselves sitting, you know, almost within reach of everything God's wanting to provide, but it requires this certain step of faith. It requires our willingness to get up from where we've been, walk up and say, my name is and his name is, my father paid for this. It's time for me now to eat. It's time for me to have a need met that God's given me. And this is really what I feel like the Lord is asking us to understand in this particular season. I want to just challenge you on something today. This is such a rich challenge that the Lord's given me, and I want to bring it to you the way He's brought it to me. And we're going to talk about this. I want you to kind of digest a little bit. The child paid for, you know, if you paid for it, then you paid, there's your livelihood actually paid the money for your child to have the provision. And Jesus, like with His full livelihood, everything that He was, He paid the price. And I want you to think about that, benchmark that, earmark that, because we're going to come back to that after I walk you through a few things. We're going to pick up out of that illustration and analogy in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 2. And this famous person in the Bible named Samuel, you may not even know the history or the story of where Samuel came from, why it's so significant, not just that he was on the scene, but how he got there and what happened in the progression of his existing in the hands of God and under the lordship of Christ, in essence, being a father to a nation. So 1 Samuel 1, 2 and following, it says, Elkanah had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other was Peninnah. Now, Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. 
It's a different day when you have two wives, not the same kind of day we live in. How many of you don't need two mother-in-laws? Can I just see? <clears throat> so thank God we only have one uh, in the day we live. But here we see this in biblical times, interesting progression of what was taking place historically, contextually. And, and what you see as you're looking at all this and we're evaluating, what we see is that one of the wives was having children and one of the wives was having none. Hannah was not having children, but Peninnah, she was having children. And I think it's really interesting when you, when you evaluate this and you look at this, you'll, you'll kind of see, and, and really we can, we can reflect on what it's like to be next to somebody who seems to be having success and we ourselves seem to not be having the success that we're wanting. How many of you know it's not in you to be completely happy for somebody who's doing what you're wanting to do yourself because you're wanting to do it yourself? I mean, you're happy for them, right? You're happy for them, but not really all the way. Has anyone ever been there before? Is that just me? Is that selfish? Is that shallow? Uh, is that, you know, I'm not sure what that is. Maybe it's an indictment for me to tell you uh, that that exists in me. But I suspect that probably exists within every one of us when somebody's making progress and we're really happy for them, but we're not necessarily happy all the way. And sometimes, just listen to this so precisely, sometimes God will use a situation around you to provoke you to a deep pursuit for yourself when you see someone else doing what it is you wish that you could do yourself. Sometimes God will use a situation around. It's, it's like, it's not a problem for you to look at that and to be happy for them, but not all the way, because there's a component in you that actually was born for more than standing on the sidelines watching the game. You are one of the most valuable players on the team. Get in the game. Get off the sidelines. Come on, rise up. Why don't you help me today? We're declaring we are in this game. We were not born for the sidelines. We were born for more. Sometimes God uses those situations. Now listen, your motives may not always be right. How many of you know your motives may not always be right? But I have learned this about God and loving Jesus, the gracious nature of God, even when our motives aren't right. If we'll just give him something to work with, he is the master at doing more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed. Jesus is the master at doing more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed. He could feed 5,000 people with a boy's lunch. He's the master at doing more than we thought he How many of you know you look at what you have in your life and it's just like, well, this isn't very much. I just want you to know Jesus is the master at doing more than you thought he could with less than you thought he needed. Tracy and I, uh, we did a leaders event in the UK last year and and there was a guy, we were speaking and ministering in this, and then there was a guy they brought in from, from Kansas to do the worship. And you probably have heard his music. He's from IHOP. His name's Jay Thomas. And, um, and the, the song that he's most known for is Shekinah Glory. Have you ever heard that? Like the church was singing this for about six, seven years all over the world. It was amazing how many people, how many hundreds of thousands of downloads immediately happened when this song came out. It's the Shekinah glory of God. And the song starts out like this. We wait for you. That's how it starts. And then it goes into, uh, here we are standing in your presence. Shekinah glory come down. But it starts out, what does it say? We wait for you. And we do that so beautifully, don't we? Like when, we, when we've done that song, if we kind of get ready and the music's going, and everybody kind of gets it, and they all just sing it so beautifully. We wait for you. 
But Jay told us something. It was really funny. He was a young man who had not yet really come into a place of notoriety when he wrote this song and when it became uh, famous and well-known. And, uh, and he, what he said was, he was under the care of another person that was mentoring him as a worship leader. And he was, he was in this set, and like worship was going on. And the, the person leading said to him in the system, uh, God's telling me you have a song. And so he, you know, there's kind of in a flow moment. And, and, and Jay said, he responded, no, I don't have a song. And then the guy leans over and says to him, no, God said you have a song. And Jay said he was somewhat irritated because he's put him on the spot, young man, not really accomplished. And he said, no, I don't have a song. And so the guy just kind of kept in this loop pattern for a moment. And finally, the guy leans over. He says, no, God is telling me you have a song. And Jay Thomas' response out of absolute anger and frustration was he hit these keys. We wait for you. He was just absolutely mad at God. Okay, if I have a song, I'm just going to sit here and wait for you. And out of that was born a song that millions and millions and millions of people have lifted up the name of Jesus and opened their hearts to receive the Shekinah glory and the presence of God invading their circumstance and situation. I want to say to you, God does not require very much to do a lot. He's the master at doing more than we thought he could with less than we thought he needed. We must learn to put something in his hands to work with. It is possible for God to use somebody, somebody else's success, to provoke our pursuit to get more focused, to begin to pray, to begin to fast and pray, to be more intentional about what we're saying in our place of prayer, to dig in a little, be- dig in a little deeper, to be a little more focused in our pursuit of God. It is possible for God to use somebody else's success like he did in Peninnah's case and Hannah where she looked at her success and it caused her to dig in and to begin to really press into the Lord. Now, you you need to understand, this wasn't just two people beside each other. There was a lot of tension, and and the Bible actually describes this. I'm not going to go into all of it with you, but verses 6 to 8 say very specifically that Peninnah kept provoking her in order to irritate her. That's what the Bible says. She was provoking her with her success in order to irritate her and to cause her not to feel perhaps as significant as she was as a wife. I'm the more important wife. I'm the, I'm the wife who's populating the name, and here you are, barren. And the, the, the Bible actually clearly says she was provoking. How many of you have anybody in your life provoking you to irritate you? <laughs> Happens. Even in that situation, God can use that person. This is what you have to understand, and we need to get this. This is a principle today, and it's going to unlock something of your destiny in your life. If you don't understand, it's your first blank, write it in. If you don't understand how God actually purposes to use disappointments, everybody say disappointments. If you don't understand how God actually purposes to use your disappointments and even your enemies at times to promote you, then you will just keep getting discouraged every time difficulty comes your way. If you don't understand that God will use those things to promote you, then you keep getting discouraged about the very things God's wanting to use to give you a place, a breakthrough, 
into a place of breakthrough. I'm going to explain that, that we'll, we'll really get an understanding of this. But, but let's, just, let's just think about King David for a moment before he was King David. Here's David. He comes on the scene, and he's willing. He, all of a sudden, he sees Goliath, and all of the Israelites are paralyzed in fear. And, and Goliath, you understand, Goliath became David's ticket to become a national hero in a moment. Now, God could have moved on King Saul's heart. He's a fine young man, and God could have given uh, Saul this incredible favor with David. God could have used David's friends to promote him. I mean, you know, God can do what God wants to do. God could have used David's friends to promote him, but for all of us to see and all of us to read and all of us to rehearse, God chose not to use David's friends to promote him. God chose to use David's enemies to promote him because he wants you to understand the principle that when difficulty and even enemies come your way, they didn't come your way to defeat you. They came to promote you. They didn't come to destroy you. They came to release you, to take you to a deeper place of pursuit. Come on, help me today. Let's just call it in. We're declaring in Jesus' name, there is discouragement that is broken in the name of Jesus. Tracy didn't, we've not compared notes before she got up and she began to speak of, of being, uh, you know, it, continuing in the season. Don't, don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For if you will not give in, if you will not give up, if you will not lay down, if you will not stop believing, then you will reap a harvest. If you will understand the difficulty that comes your way is not to defeat you, but it's actually the very thing God wants to use to promote you. To cause you to go deeper. It will take you to a place of deeper prayer and intercession. A more intense conversation with God. She's having all the children. Why am I not? Instead of stepping back, Hannah chose to step forward into a deeper place of prayer. And as a result, she got more. Are you stepping back? Or are you stepping forward? When situations come your way, are you putting those tools in the hands of the enemy or are you putting those tools in the hands of God? There is no neutral. This is the thing that we need to understand today. Hannah did not just get a child as her breakthrough. This is Samuel's mama, in case you haven't figured that out. So she had a baby and she saw her blessing all the way through. And I want you to understand this is so important. All of this so far is kind of groundwork for us to get the picture of what's going on, why this is significant. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow discouraged. Don't let those situations hold you back. But once you then start to see God break through, you need to understand how vitally important it is that you not see your breakthrough as your breakthrough but your breakthrough is the avenue to another breakthrough that becomes the avenue to another break. you got to see your blessing all the way through. So here Hannah, she conceives, she has a child, and then in, in verse 22 to 28 we see where she, uh, she stays true to her word. She did what she said she would do. She said she was praying, crying out to God, if you'll give me the son, I will give him to you. If you'll give me this breakthrough, I will give it back. How many of you ever negotiated with God before? If you, then I. If you, then I. If you, then I. She saw it all the way through. Can you imagine this heartbroken mother? She, she had the baby, 
kept the baby until the child was weaned. And then this heartbroken mother who couldn't have a child, now she has a child. Now maybe the taunting had stopped from the sister wife that existed, whatever you call that in those days. But, but here, here she is now, and she's got a decision to make. The baby's here, the child is here, and she sees it all the way through. She takes the child to the temple, and she leaves the child with the priest. I want you to imagine tears running down her. This was not an old, uh, you know, old adult child. This was a young child. Imagine tears down her face. Mama loves you, but Mama needs to leave you because you were a gift to me from God. And I promised him that if he would give you to me, I would give you back. Can you imagine what it was like for her and think about it, brokenhearted, weeping, whatever that looked like for emotionally, going back to the house, seemingly in the exact same situation she had been before. Penina with her children, Hannah with none. Provoked, irritated, back what seemed to be in the same situation. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Feels like you've just come back. Is, is the cycle repeating itself? Is it going, am I going to ever break free out of this cycle? But you got to understand, something significant had changed. She saw her blessing all the way through. And this is what I want to challenge you to understand. Her breakthrough was not just about her breakthrough. Her breakthrough was about breaking into a place of another breakthrough. Not only was this more than just giving her a child, not only was this more than just getting that child into the presence of God so that Samuel would one day anoint David as king, not only is this a very important part of the lineage of the Messiah, very important instrumental thing that God used her for mightily, but you might not realize Hannah who could not have children, now would have five more children after that. See, her breakthrough, you got to see your breakthrough all the way through. Had she not taken the baby like she promised to the temple, then we wouldn't have had Samuel, a mighty man of God, trained in ministry expression that would help release that whole progression of who David was to be. I mean, that was an important part. And so because she was willing to see it all the way through, the whole landscape of history had changed. But in addition to that, it unlocked something in her, and she was no longer barren, but now she was having another baby, and then another baby, and then another baby. Come on, her breakthrough brought her to breakthrough. Another baby, and then another baby. Five more children. Five. Somebody ought to celebrate your breakthrough that leads you to another breakthrough that takes you to another breakthrough that changes the landscape of the world around you because you have broken into another dimension. This was not about the breakthrough of a baby. This was truly about the provision of a seed. What does that look like in your life? What does that look like in your life? Isn't it funny how Jesus paid for everything, and then we find ourselves in a situation 
with His provision awaiting our faith. With His provision awaiting our understanding who we are. With His provision awaiting the confidence that's born from Jesus telling us what we're supposed to do and what we should expect when we walk up to the counter and we say, well, that's been paid for. It's in my name. And so, I, I just, the, today, I just want, really want to challenge you. <clears throat> when you think about the irritation and the provoke that was taking place in Hannah's life, you know, it, it is, I've been listening to Tracy talk about uh, litigation lawyers. We kind of had a funny laugh last night. I said, it's kind of funny. You're a lawyer who doesn't like lawyers, and I'm a preacher who doesn't like preachers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're both just weird. That's why we found each other. But how many of you have been finding yourself in that place of a source of irritation, source of irritation, source of irritation, source of irritation? And I just thought about this morning. I just was up on my back porch just praying, asking the Lord about this. And I just felt the Lord was saying that I was to remind you that pearls are the result of a little grain of sand that becomes a source of irritation that over the course of time, that irritation slowly produces a treasure. What is, what is God trying? I know, I know, I know over the course of time. Man, I hate that phrase, don't you? And you know, God promises and God delivers. And in the meantime, between when he promised and between when he delivers, anybody ever been there before? In the meantime... It's not nice time. It's the meantime. Feels real mean sometimes. In the meantime, sometimes it's real mean. Why don't you stand up with me? God promises and God delivers, and then there's the meantime. And the question is, how are you going to handle your source of irritation? Because Hannah could have gotten angry and gotten bitter, but she chose not to get bitter. Rather, she became better as a result of surrendering the situation. I just, I feel very strongly right now God is dealing with some irritant issues. So just lift your hands if that's you. Irritations. <laughs> irritations. Just, just lift your hands and let's just surrender those irritations. I just want to say let it go and live again. Let it go and live again. Don't hold on. That which brings irritation. Lord, when we place it in your hands, it produces treasures like pearls. So we just place it in your hand. We just let it go. We'll already surrender to you in these places of great irritation. And we thank you, Lord, that as a result, there will be a tremendous breakthrough that is really not even about the breakthrough. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let, let me just say, this is a, this is last thing I want to make sure you understand. This is download for you. We got to get this downloaded. Because I, in my prayer, I almost said it. Because the breakthrough isn't about the breakthrough. The breakthrough is about Another breakthrough. But I don't want to say that because it's not true. The fact is, Hannah 
did have a breakthrough that led to a breakthrough that led to a breakthrough. But how many of you know God's purpose in all of it really never was any one of those breakthroughs? It was more making Hannah the person God wanted her to become. Are you letting him in? Are you letting him in in your time of irritation? Are you letting him in in the meantime? Are you letting him in? Because it's really not about, it, we make it all about the accomplishment. We, we do. But it's not. It's about what he's doing in us. He's a good, good father. He wants to do a deep work in our hearts.